Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. You recall on Friday, David and his men were to lead the fight against Saul and his Israelite army. David is working for Achish, king of Gath, and David and his men were to be the tip of the spear. But the Philistines didn't trust David. So Achish, king of Gath, relieved him of the responsibility, and David took his 600 men and headed back south to Ziklag, where he was camped. Now back in Ziklag, when they show up, David arrives home, and the town has been sacked. The Amalekites had attacked the town in David's absence, and they torched it, took everything of value, including the women and the children. So David and his men dash after them, headed north, catch up with them, and slaughter them, getting back the women, the children, and all the loot that had been taken. So as we enter our story, David and his men are at Ziklag, but the Philistines are camped at the foot of Mount Gilboa, and the attack is about to begin. So today, let us sit upon the ground and tell sad stories of the death of kings. 1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons. Jonathan, David's closest friend, Abinadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised dogs will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified. He wouldn't do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men died together that day. And when the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and they fled. And the Philistines came and occupied the towns. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. Notice the next day they came back to strip the dead. They cut off Saul's head, stripped him of his armor, and they sent messengers all throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put all his armor in the temple of Ashtoreth, and they fastened his body to the walls of Beit Shan. Beit Shan, right along the Jordan River, a bit south of the Sea of Galilee, on the west side of the Jordan River. And if you visit Beit Shan and you walk to the river, and look across, 
you're looking into Jordan of today. And Jabesh Gilead, the town of Jabesh Gilead, was on the hills on the east side of the Jordan River. So the men from Jabesh Gilead could see Saul's headless body nailed to the walls of Bethshan. And when the people of Jabesh Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men journeyed through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they went to Jabesh Gilead, where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Now you recall earlier, Saul had rescued the men of Jabesh Gilead. So they returned the favor of taking Saul's body and that of his sons and giving them a proper burial over in Jabesh Gilead. Now we turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 1. David is back at Ziklag. And we read that after the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites and he stayed at Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. And when he came to David, he, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from, David asked. Oh, I, I, I escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? Tell me. He said, the men fled from the battle. Many of them fell and died. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. David was stunned. David said to the young man who brought the report, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? And the young man, now feeling a bit more confident, said, well, I, I just happened to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and riders almost upon him. And when he turned around and saw me, he called out to me. He said, I, I said, what can I do? He asked me, who are you? I answered, an Amalekite. And then he said to me, stand over me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood over him. And I killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm. And I have brought them here to you, my Lord. And the young man, the young Amalekite, hands the crown to David. Huh. And he had said, Saul said to me, stand over me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm alive. So I stood over him and I killed him. Now, didn't we just read at the end of 1 Samuel that Saul fell on his sword and so did Saul's armor bearer? So we have a different tale here. We have a conflict in the story. And this young man delivers the crown to David. Well, David and 
All the men with him took hold of their clothes. They tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord in the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. And then the next day, David said, uh, bring that young man to me. So they brought him to David's tent. And David said to the young man, now, where are you from again? Now, he's feeling pretty good. He thinks he's going to get a great reward. Everyone knows that David wanted to be king. Everyone knows of the conflict between David and Saul. And the young man delivered the crown. So now he's thinking, oh, I'll get a big reward for this. He puffed out his chest and he said, I'm the son of an alien, an Amalekite, he answered. And David asked him, Why were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then David nodded to one of his men standing nearby, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, I would bet. And when the young man puffed out his chest and, and said, I'm the son of an alien, an Amalekite, David questioned, why were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And there came the nod. And the young man was about to speak when the flash of a sword took his head clean off. Now, I'd like to think about that. If you have your head taken off really fast with a really sharp sword, how long does it take for your brain to register what's happened? Because as the young man was about to nod and begin talking, the sword flashed right through, like a knife through hot butter, right through his neck, and the head toppled to the ground. Now, as the head's toppling to the ground, the eyes are still open. They're blinking. And the eyes see the sky, the dirt, the trees, the sky, the dirt, as the head's tumbling. And don't you think that young man may have said, oh, crap. <laughs> and then clunk, clunk, the head hit the ground. For David had said to him, your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. Well, we know that he didn't kill the Lord's anointed. Saul fell on his own sword. But the young man took credit for it because, after all, he viewed Saul as David's enemy, a young Amalekite. An Amalekite. Now, wait a minute. When David was with Achish, king of Gath, and David's 600 mercenaries were to be the tip of the spear in the fight, and had left Ziklag with the women and children and everything behind, the Amalekites raided the town. And this young man's an Amalekite. When David and his men caught up with him, he slaughtered them. But some of the Amalekites, sniveling little cowards, ran away. They continued north, right past Mount Gilboa, That night, the Amalekite is right, walking right past the battlefield. 
And he saw all the men lying there. And he thought, I am in luck because the bodies had not been stripped. So he went in and he took wallets, watches, uh, money, anything he could find. And then he came upon Saul, the king, and the crown lying on the, on the dirt and the armband of the king. He said, I have just won the lottery. So he took the crown, he took the armband and anything else he could take. And he headed back to Ziklag to deliver the crown, thinking he would get a great reward. Well, David saw through it. He saw right through it. Saul, David's king and father-in-law, and Jonathan, Saul's son, his eldest son, Prince Jonathan, David's closest friend. David then took up a lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan and ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. For it is written in the book of Yashir, the lament of the bow. I like to call it the lament of the rifle. C.S. Lewis said, this is the greatest lament ever written in any language. And here it is. We get a preview of David's poetic ability, a preview of the Psalms that David wrote. Here's the lament. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain nor fields that yield offerings of grain, for there... The shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan. In life, they were loved and gracious, and in death, they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. Oh, daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan, lie slain on your heights. I, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love was wonderful, more than that of women. How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war have perished. I think that is a fabulous lament. The lament of the bow. So now... Saul and his three sons, three potential heirs to the throne, are dead. 
So what will David do now? Saul had been hunting David up one side of a mountain and down the other. This had gone on for nearly 10 years. And David knew that at one point, either David will get careless, Saul will get lucky, or perhaps both, and the game will be over. But now the game has totally changed. David will go back, go back to Israel. But how will he be accepted? David was working for the Philistines, and everybody knew it. It was public information. Saul had taken 3,000 of his best men and went after David at the caves of Engedi. David had a trick or two up his sleeve. And Saul's 3,000 men witnessed what happened. And they were thinking, perhaps, I'm working for the wrong guy. Now, with Saul, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Melchishua dead, David writes this lament, and he taught it to all the people, all the warriors. It's a lament in praise of Saul and Jonathan. That's certainly taking the high road. Word would get back to Israel. David will go back. But will the Israelites accept him? This traitor, as many viewed him, who went to work for the enemy. Old stories circulated about David, the dashing and daring young man, the magnificent warrior, his 600 really tough mercenaries. So how will David do it? How will David get back to Israel and rise to kingship? And that story will begin on Wednesday. Thank you, guys. Good to see you and hear you and be with you. I can just hear you right here in my mind as I'm speaking. I can, I can see you listening to the program, to the podcast. Oh, we're having a great, great fun with this. So keep me in your prayers if you would. I'll keep you in mind. And I look forward to being back with you on Wednesday. Okay, bye-bye now.